bad about my boss Take a break from work today's no total loss All right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this. Uh, it was spring, but now winter kind of uh, edition of the GFP podcast and blast. I'm your host, Chris Hall, GFP communication specialist. And with me uh, today, I've got a couple of super interesting, awesome employees. One is a longtime veteran who I've leaned on. For lots of knowledge and patience and wisdom, her name is Eileen Dowd-Stuckel, and she's our senior wildlife diversity biologist. Uh, welcome, Eileen. Thanks, Chris. And the other one is sort of a newbie, super exciting uh, to have her on. I think she's a little nervous because I think she thinks I might be setting her up for some sort of new, new person <laughs> prank or something, but I'm not. Uh, her name is Lacey Elrod, and she's our Outdoor West campus director, correct? And Welcome. Yes, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having us. Uh, so Eileen and I are putting up with gray and wind, and it was spring, but now it's not. But I think Lacey's got some snow on the ground, correct? We do here in Rapid City. Got a got a few inches on the ground, and it's blowing a little bit, too. So not too spring-like, but... Okay, but spring is what we're kind of talking about, because everybody, we, love, we all love spring, and uh, we beat, you know, <laughs> Mother Winter again, and... Uh, I, I will preface this by saying uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and the world is being born again, I guess, or renewed. And spring is the time for baby critters, baby birds, baby deer, baby porcupines, baby everything. And Lacey and her crew and uh, our crew in the outdoor campus east in Sioux Falls get a lot of not only the calls that maybe somebody like Eileen or I would get on occasion, but they also get the live baby animals. And that can provide sort of a problem or a quandary. So um, it's kind of an if you care, leave it there sort of episode, but we wanted to take it to the next level and just talk about what to do if you come across a baby animal and why. Um, I will start. I have a brother-in-law and sister-in-law in Rapid City. They have an awesome house on the edge of town. I talk to them all the time about, you know, being careful about animals and not feeding the deer and, you know, that kind of stuff. And last spring, of course, we've got a, an abandoned baby deer in our sandbox. And I no, you don't. It's not abandoned. The mom is around. Yep, you're right, you're right. Five hours later, they're panicking because the mom hasn't come back. So let's talk about, Eileen, maybe I'll start with you, just the the life, the daily life of a, of a mama critter and baby critters and, and how we get into that situation. Sure thing. So it, it's helpful to know a little bit about the wild animals around you and how they might seem to get in these predicaments, but they're not maybe really in the predicament. So most wild animals have the mother taking care of them, not the model family like right. we think of mother and father. So she may at times need to leave her young by themselves. So uh, a doe, may leave her fawn or two fawns if she had twins alone in a safe place while she goes out to feed. 
if it's a carnivore like a fox or a coyote, they may need to go out and hunt and bring food back to their young. And sometimes that's when people encounter those animals. When they're alone, it's a young, innocent animal, and I need to help it. And so I'm going to take it home and call the veterinarian or try to feed it myself. Or maybe I'll try to drop it off at a Game Fish and Parks office like Chris referred to. What we'd like people to do is learn more about those wild animals and understand that just because you see a young animal alone doesn't mean it needs you to help it. That's a natural part of how those animals are, are reared and there's nothing abnormal about a, a young fawn or a little a group of group of young cottontails in a nest. That mother is probably off feeding and maybe taking a break. So that's the scenario that we'd like people to think more about is don't rush in and either handle the animal or even leave your scent near it or keep checking on it because all of those things are going to lead the possibility that that mother will abandon them and now we will have a true orphan. But our message is a lot of times what you see as an orphan is not. It's got a mother who just happens to be gone temporarily. Sure, sure. And and it, it is tough because I think we all want to do what's best and, and you know, to swoop in and, and, and try to help this poor, you know, this beautiful cute adorable little you know jackrabbit or or a bunny or a fawn especially um but talk about you know the belief eileen and then i'll get to you Lacey, with some of your experience but like the belief that you know game fishing parks knows what to do and has a place for these critters to go even so you cannot keep wildlife as pets Right. So, of course, if you pick one up, if you pick a, a let's say you pick a fawn up, you got to take it somewhere or you're in violation. And, and we don't want to harass people about that, but just so you know, it's not legal to keep wildlife as pets. So you would think you'd take it to a wildlife rehabilitator. The problem is we have very, very few wildlife rehabilitators in the state. So if you give it to a Game Fish and Parks person, what are they now then to do with it? If they're lucky enough to have a rehabber in their area, that might be the place that they go. A lot of studies have shown, though, that wild animals, even if they're rehabilitated, they have a much better chance of making it in the wild. That doesn't mean every animal is going to survive, but... By taking it out of its natural area, right away you have reduced its odds of survival. And then we get to that situation where that local conservation officer or biologist may have nowhere to take it. So all you've done is really just kind of transferred the problem. And so that's the other thing we want people to know is it would be nice if we had more rehabilitators, but... The reality is there are very few in the state. So even if you do turn it over, there aren't many places for it to go from there. Right. Eileen, do you know offhand how many rehab 
rehabilitators or rehab centers we have in the state? We have two kinds. We have people that are permitted by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to rehabilitate migratory birds. And we usually think of raptors, birds sure. of prey, mm -hmm. eagles, falcons, owls. There are less than five in the state. Then we have resident wildlife rehabilitators, and those are the people that could rehabilitate a raccoon or a squirrel or a cottontail. Probably a similar number. So very, very few options are available. Okay, Lacey, um, I'm going to turn to you because you have a couple of cool, you know, kind of backgrounds, the one being the newer one. So knowing, you know, have those calls started coming in or have you have you seen any critters coming into the, the campus in Rapid City yet this spring? We personally haven't seen anything as of yet, um, but we're always, you know, it comes every year. Mm -hmm. um, we get a, a few phone calls here and there, and I, I see this and I'm wondering what to do. And, and most of the time we're able to, to kind of talk through some of those situations, just as Eileen had described before, just to leave it and leave it alone, and, and hopefully its mom will come back. Um, so we try and, and help some of those situations before they show up on our doorstep. Sure. And let's talk about your previous background and maybe some experiences that you've had to deal with. You came from, tell, tell us where you came from before you were the, the boss lady of the Campus West. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'm originally from South Dakota, but decided to escape the cold weather and, and head south. So for the past 20 years, I worked at the San Antonio Zoo. Um, I started out as an animal keeper with uh, large carnivores, and then I changed my direction a little bit and went into education and um, outreach and, and just mostly working with the public with also some hands-on situations with animals as well still um, to kind of get those people familiar with uh, mostly how to make proper conservation choices with animals. So a lot of the same conversations that we're having today as well as proper pets, you know, what, what animals make good pets and what don't um, and how to make those decisions too. Right. So I've definitely come in contact and had some experience in, in, you know, people showing up at the zoo because just like game fish and parks, the zoo is also a place where people commonly think that we can take in animals right. and, and help them out. So, so how would a, how would a place like a zoo handle it if you know somebody came in with with a baby deer or a, or an armadillo? Maybe I don't know. You know. Sure. Well, each zoo is different, of course, mm -hmm. and um, in places that have animals under their care. You have to be really careful with disease transmission. So we didn't, unfortunately, we couldn't accept a lot of the animals because if we bring that into our collection at the zoo, it could potentially hurt the animals that were already under our control. So same as here with Game Fish and Parks is that we reach out to local rehabbers and see if we can help out and find a place for those animals. Sometimes animals just get dropped off and left. And then, again, like Eileen said, then we are in the, the tough situation of finding a place for it or else they've just transferred the problem over over to the zoo as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard situation to deal with, and I think that it's a, it shows people's compassion. Of course they want to help, thinking they're helping all these animals out, but in, most of the time they don't really need that help. So... 
the best help they can do is to just leave it alone. Right. Cool. That's that's interesting. I bet you got some interesting critters and stuff brought to you there. Um, yep. Anything anything stick out where you're kind of like even backed up and went, oh, whoa. Um. <laughs> Well, we at the at the zoo we got a lot of exotics donated to sure. us. We say donated, which just pretty much meant I tried to have this animal as a pet, and then it didn't work out. Um, so we got a lot of usually reptiles, uh, but we were in San Antonio. We were right next to a park, and had a lot of native animals: ducks and um, egrets and turtles. And and people always came across a bird that had fallen out of a nest or. Uh, a turtle with a fish hook in it or, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. So there, again, it just shows the compassion of people towards animals and, and wanting to help out. And But, you know, we do what we can just as we do here at Game Fish and Parks, but it's it's just a, it's a very limited resource that we can offer right. them. Right. Uh, Eileen, you ever take any really strange calls where you're even kind of like, whoa, what, what are you thinking there? Or, or anything stick out? Not that I can remember, but uh, you and I know a, a local veterinarian here mm-hmm. in town who also re- does wildlife rehabilitation, and, and she has mentioned coming home from work and finding an animal on her doorstep. You know, people know where she lives, and, oh, I'm sure she'll want to help, right. and yep. and doesn't know the history, where is it, you know, how long has somebody kept it? So... It, it is, you know, as Lacey says, it, it, people care, and that's a great thing. We would like them to maybe be a little better informed. And so our theme of our, we always do a news release every spring, if you mm-hmm. care, leave it. And so we decided we would try to ex- expand on that. And so on the Game Fish and Parks website, we'd recommend that people, when they have a little time to, to prove this information, look for, if you search for wildlife rehabilitation, there's information there on how to become a wildlife rehabilitator, if that's an interest of yours. Then we've expanded on the, if you care, leave it there. And we've picked some common species and tried to explain a little bit of the life history of why you might come upon uh, a, a nest of cottontails, for instance. And then tried to explain why that might be and why they might be alone, but how to handle sort of common situations, like Lacey mentioned, a bird fell out of a tree. Well, we give some ideas of what you might be able to do right then to help that bird rather than grabbing it and taking it out of that environment. So we recommend people just take a look at this. We think it's common sense advice and that it might help you come into this situation a little bit better informed. And it is as important will be for you to share that information with your kids because they may be the ones who come home with little baby turtles that they found somewhere or that little baby bird that shouldn't have been taken. So that resource we hope will help people just come into this situation a little better informed to help wildlife in the process have a, a better chance of of actual survival right eileen where do where can uh, folks find that on our website we'll, we'll touch again on this again but where can they find that 
So if you just go into the Game Fish and Parks website and hit the search button and then type in wildlife rehabilitation and that will take you to that site that talks about the permits but also more of the background information about why animals might seem to be abandoned or in trouble but also a few situations that you could handle on your own and help the critters in the process. Right. Lacey, uh, you know, being a being a South Dakota, you know, being born and raised in South Dakota and then leaving and going into more of an urban area and then coming back and really teaching, do you, do you see the attitudes or have you been around enough through like these spring things to see kind of maybe not the attitudes but maybe more of like a an, an aptitude or a since people in you know the hills are probably used to being around critters and up close a little bit more out in the wild compared to like maybe somebody in downtown San Antonio sees a you know a, a, a fox or a, or a coyote or something and going whoa you know is it is there any attitude in in maybe even the South Dakota people even wanting to help a little bit more because they're used to them or used to being around them or is it the opposite or can you even tell you know i i I can't officially i can't really answer that question too much but i i I think i i think that people here in south dakota from from what i've experienced definitely have a lot of compassion and care for their outdoors um and that's just all around they spend a lot of time outdoors recreating we have a lot of avid hunter and fishing fishing people and they just really appreciate the outdoors so anything they can do to help conserve it i i think that that's just that's just what was born and raised in us here mm-hmm. in south dakota so um but i i also think people are really intelligent and willing to um take a few extra minutes to learn what's the best way to help out nature and and if that means for game fish and parks to provide some more resources for them to find the best way to help out, then then I see that being a success for us. Um, I think that South Dakota residents are, are here to make the outdoors better um, so that they can enjoy it longer. So, um, And I also think that they're around wildlife more, maybe. Right. Um, they, I mean, you drive downtown Rapid City and you see wildlife all over the place. <laughs> There's deer on the road downtown. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they're a little bit more used to seeing it. And so... Um, they're okay with with it being part of their life, sure. and so they're able to make better educated decisions on where to call and who to call, and and that's a, I think another great thing that GFP can do is that you know if if you don't know what to do before you get involved, give us a call and we'll help you out. Right. Yeah. You know, it might just be to give you that advice to just go ahead and keep an eye on it and leave it alone. Um, and kind of just helping to intersect it before it gets to a, a, a bigger deal. Um, and I think that GFP has is, is always been available for, for residents of South Dakota um, to just get a hold of us and making it so easy for residents to get a hold of us that we're able to help them out a lot easier. Right. Yeah, and that was kind of the point I was going to make. And, and, you know, I I was just thinking when I asked that question, I, I was, it was probably four or five years ago and we are we're not big campers. We're more cabin people, and, and but we were camping out in the hills, and some people next to us had a cage, and I looked over, and they had a uh, prairie dog in the cage, and 
I, I kind of walked over and I was kind of talking to him and well, where'd you get the prey dog? And they're, you know, we're talking and talking and finally it'd come out that, that it had ran across the road and it, they had hit it with the car or bumped it with the car and it had a hurt leg and they'd gone and bought a cage. And, and when I was talking to them, they were looking up, you know, what prairie dogs eat. And, and I was just kind of, you know, I looked at him and I was talking to him and I, I wouldn't get really close to, to the prairie dog. And the guy goes, well, you're South Dakota guy, you know, you're used to being around prairie dogs. I said, yeah, but I also know they're, you know, the carriers of the plague. And they were, oh, and the next day the cage was empty and, and they had done away or let go of the, the prairie dog. So I think, you know, people want to do the right thing, but especially when it's maybe a critter that they haven't really come into contact with much, um, you know, these, these people were thrilled. They were going to take this prairie dog home back to, I think they were from Arkansas, and they were going to take the prairie dog back to, like, Little Rock or something, and we're going to have this great pet. And so I was just kind of... I think that that's something that, um, you know, I brought back from my career in the zoo is also just to help educate people on, you know, this baby deer or rabbit or squirrel or, you know, whatever animal you find is, especially when they're, when their babies are cute and cuddly and, but they, they forget that they grow up. Right. And then you have your hands full with animals that you just don't know what to do with. And I mean, even something as small as a squirrel. I don't think people realize that their teeth are ever growing and they need to constantly chew on things and they could chew on your finger and that hurts. Right. Um, and that they don't make good pets. I think, um, so helping educate, especially children that wild animals don't make the best pets. Um, it's not like you see on the discovery channel that, um, it's not always that glamorous and right. they don't, I, I grew up wanting a monkey until I worked with monkeys in the zoo, and then I said that would be the worst animal ever to have as a pet. Um, so I think it's also teaching people that even though you care and you want to help these animals and you might think you can provide them the um, care that they would need to, to stay as a pet, you can't. You don't know how to do it. You don't know what to do when they get sick. A lot of local veterinarians may not know how to treat a squirrel that has something wrong with it um or won't even do it so you actually end up again doing it sometimes more harm than than if you would have just left it right i i always tell my a lot of people when we're talking about this my one of my favorite books when i was a kid was rascal which is you know sterling north little boy and had a raccoon i said even at the end of that one he had to let him go and it was super sad (laughs) you know yeah so I have, and, you know, Chris, I, I think you bring up a good point with the prairie dog and plague issue. If you come upon an animal that seems sick, you really typically you are not going to have the knowledge to know what that might be. Right. And whether it is rabies, right. plague, West Nile virus, salmonella, there are any number of possibilities. Right. And so it is pretty dangerous to... Just pick up an animal that you have no idea what what might be carrying yeah. and expose yourself, your kids, your pets, other people to that potential disease. So we've talked a lot about helping the critters themselves, right. but you really can, you know, not only expose yourself to a disease, but you could be injured by handling animals that you're not trained or qualified to to grab right and and that's that's a good point Eileen. i was actually kind of gonna go that way i mean this is more of a 
you know, if you care, leave it there. We find something in the wild. And this isn't talking about, you know, an injured deer on the side of the road. Or I brought up the story when we were, when we were talking uh, before the call or before the, the podcast that I, I came across an owl that was stuck in a fence. And I went to try to kind of um, get it free. And it was not having. I couldn't get anywhere near it. And it wasn't my fence to cut. So, you know, I had to call a game warden. And they came and, and fi- you know, figured it out. But... Yeah, a sick or injured critter is even a whole nother thing, and you can't always tell if they're sick either. So sure. that's a good point. Good point. Well, what what else did I miss? Uh, folks should go to search our gfp.sd.gov, search wildlife rehabilitation, and just take a look at some of that kind of stuff to get educated and, and maybe even figure out if you want to become a wildlife rehabber. It sounds like we need some and or could always use more. But what else did I miss, ladies? I think in regards to just, you know, calling somebody and letting them know if you have a big concern about something, it, but people are always wanting to help. I think that's where it all comes down from is just that people have a lot of compassion and are willing to help, and sometimes the best thing you can do is leave it there, but also helping out those rehabbers, a lot of those are just regular people who are doing it out of the goodness of their heart, so if you can find some local rehab facilities and and donating to them to help out, that's that's a way that you can show compassion towards wildlife and, and helping out that direction as well. Right. Eileen, what did I miss? I know I missed something. I always miss something when we're working together, so you always got to steer me back on the right track. A couple of things, and that is, Ambassador Parks is a great resource, and your first call should unless you happen to be, let's say, on a national wildlife refuge or a national park. Otherwise, I think your first call, if, if, you're, if you're not sure what to do, would be to call your local Game Fisher Parks office or officer and, and try to get some advice on how to proceed before you jump right in. And otherwise, I think just learning more about the topic, taking some responsibility for your actions. Right. So, for instance, if you know there are cottontails nesting in your yard and you're getting ready to mow, why don't you mark those nests so you don't ac- accidentally cause injury or death to those animals? Right. You're cutting down trees. Do you know that there's a squirrel nest there? Is there something you can do to to take care of that or, or how are you going to deal with that? Right. So I think just becoming all around better informed but don't hesitate to reach out to Game Fisher Parks if you're not sure what to do. Yeah, I, I think that just that initial first call would save, um, you know, our staff and, and, you know, at the at the campuses and at regional offices and, and area offices. It would save them a lot of that, oh, no, what are we going to do kind of thing. Um, you know, instead of bringing the critter in, the phone call of, you know, I have a baby deer in my yard, what should I do, would 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 really probably save a lot of animals and it would save a lot of time and heartache for not only our staff, but the people who are trying to help too. You know, the other thing, Chris, the other scenario is somebody finds an injured hawk, they take it home, they keep it for a day or two before calling anybody. And what I have heard from people who do try to rehabilitate birds of prey is even keeping that bird overnight one night can make the difference as to whether it can be rehabilitated or not. Wow. Wow. 
Cool. Well, that's good to know. Well, ladies, if I didn't really miss anything, um, you know, I know you don't believe me, but we talked for half an hour, and this goes fast. And I certainly appreciate your your knowledge and experience. Uh, if you're in the Rapid City area, go check out our awesome crew at the campus. Are we doing on on ground classes and stuff yet, Lace? Or are we waiting to do that this summer? Or? Nope, we've got classes um, all the way through the summer ready to go. We're getting ready to roll out a new registration system, but in the meantime, yep. just give us a holler at the campus and we can get you registered. Yep, and you can find that uh, registration stuff on our website and go to outdoor campuses. I would suggest starting to look now because I know those fill up fast, but there's always cool stuff going on at the campus, and there's certainly a bunch of people who are excited and super smart and can help you with any questions or anything you got. And uh, anything, um, Eileen, thank you very much. As always, you're always a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate it. Um, I will, you're welcome. I will see you soon, and I'm sure I'll have a question that you'll give me a look at and say, why do you want to know the answer for that? And I always appreciate <laughs> that. So, Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Uh, have a good day. Stay warm, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, That's all we got for this awesome spring edition of the GFP Podcast and Blast. Thanks for listening. Please uh, subscribe. That always helps. Uh, what else we got going on? Bunch of stuff. Uh, elk drawings, elk applications are now open as you listen to this in this last week of April. So elk, mountain goat, bighorn sheep, uh, loose and Clark paddlefish maybe? So uh, those will be open for a while, so get those in if you're an elk hunter or a big game hunter. Uh, turkey season full blast. Hope that's going well for everybody. Sounds like the turkeys are starting to call and respond to calls a little bit better than they have been. Fishing's going good. Hope you're out fishing and enjoying the weather when the, it's not too cold or windy, but uh, spring's here. So as always, if you got any ideas uh, for a podcast, Send them to me at chris.hull at state.sd.us or uh, just shoot something on any of our social media and I'll be looking for that stuff. I guess the big takeaway is baby animals, uh, don't pick them up. Call first. They're probably not abandoned, probably not hurt, but uh, always give one of our offices a call if you got any questions on that kind of stuff or anything else. Um, so take care. Hope all is well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. How can time fly just pass by without saying hi to me? How can time fly just pass by without saying bye to me? Yeah.